Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is Arden Marine, a very funny and very talented comedian, author, and actor who you will recognize from basically every television show ever. Um, for me, my introduction occurred when she was on Mad TV, which you already know is one of my favorite shows. So we're going to talk about her experiences on Mad TV and what it's like traversing the world of stand-up comedy as a lady. Spoiler alert, it ain't easy, folks. All of that and more today on Hi Jinx. Forever. everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today we are joined by comedian, author, and actress, Arden Marine. <laughs> Hi Arden! Hi Jinx! <laughs> <laughs> okay, before I introduced you, we were talking about the pronunciation of your last name. Yeah. It is Marine. Sure. <laughs> is it? What? It is. Marine it is. biologist. That's yeah. That was the trick. You nailed um, it. So has that caused issues in your life, having to, like, explain to people? I imagine, like, as a stand-up comedian, you know, oh. like, getting introduced... Oh. And oh. generally the host is like three in the bag by the time they're introducing oh. you. It's also, particularly like as a female headliner, like when you're like deep in Texas <laughs> and it's like, a, it's like a real like cowboy room and like already they're, you know, they're like, wait, there's a girl comic. <laughs> you know? Like you hope at what point do your credit, it doesn't matter. They're not going to get it. Yeah. It, I always sort of have to pick and choose of, you know, in my regular, the intro, I would say the intro part is the hardest when, particularly yeah. if you're the head, because there are the people there that actually know that's not right. So you don't want to <laughs> look like, I'm fine getting disrespected. I was raised to be disrespected. <laughs> 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 Brought up with no backbone. But, um, but you know, in real life, you can't throw, you can't spell your name M-Y-R-I-N and have it be pronounced Marine and really care that much. Like you're, you want to be unhappy if you actually care that. I don't care that much. What if your stage name was just your, your, your government name, but spelt phonetically? You know, early on, I had a manager who told me to do that. He, by the way, he was probably right. And, but like, he was such a dick that I was like, absolutely not. Fuck you. You're fired. Oh, wait, I needed you. Yeah. So he was probably accurate. You know, yeah. honestly, because it actually is a nice, it sounds nicer the way it's pronounced. Like the way it looks isn't great. Unless, I guess unless you're like Helen Mirren, like that's exciting. <laughs> but hers looks more attractive. I should have listened to that that. Horrible man. <laughs> I should have listened to that horrible That's man. That's my second book. It's called I Should Have Listened to That Horrible Man. <laughs> the first book is I Shouldn't Have Listened to That Horrible Man. And then the follow-up is, you know what? I should have listened to that horrible man. And they come out two months apart. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I'm backing it up. I should have listened to you. They're threatened. There's four lawsuits coming my way. The second it got published, I had second thoughts. So. <laughs> and every man thought they were that horrible man. <laughs> and they were right. <laughs> Arden, um, I don't know if you know this, but pretty much every drag queen I've ever known, and I don't want to generalize, but drag queens in in general, sure, 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 are huge fans of Mad TV. So oh. I I assume that 
I'm going to have a lot of listeners who um, know you first and foremost from your time on Mad TV, but I'd like to quickly rattle off a lot of things that you've done. Okay, great. <laughs> so Love that it. you can just feel free to reference any show, any work experience you've ever had throughout this conversation, and we'll Hot. be right there with you. Hi. <laughs> So you may know Arden Marine from What Women Want, Bubble Boy, okay. Christmas with the Cranks, Evan Almighty, or TV shows like Friends, Chelsea Lately, Reno 911, Hot in Cleveland, Psych, Two Broke Girls, Grey's Anatomy, Insecure, Orange is the New Black, and like I mentioned, Mad TV. Yes. Um, so yes. you're one of those actors who's just everywhere at one point or another. If yeah. You, if we like created a multiverse where all your characters live together, <laughs> yes. that could be the next Marvel movie. <laughs> oh, that would be uh, that would be quite an audio experience. My voice is already a journey, and if there was twenty characters with this voice, it would be something. <laughs> um, where? What was the first project that kind of like broke you in to um, this? colorful and illustrious career that I just rattled off. <laughs> Thank you so much for axing, axing, Jinx. <laughs> I'm hammered. Um, I would say the my big break was I booked a sitcom. Um, I booked, I became a regular on a sitcom when I was 22. It was an NBC show called Working that ran for two With years. Fred Savage? With little boy <laughs> wonder Fred Savage of uh, uh, the Wonder Years. And that moved me from New York to LA. So that was mm -hmm. my very first job ever. And yeah, it was weird because I grew up watching Wonder Years and all, like, and I grew up in a, like a farm town, you know, like with like a general store. And it was very weird to then like, move into my television and be talking to Kevin Arnold. You know what I mean? Like, that's Kevin Arnold. And I remember um, Dana Gould, who's a Simpsons writer and a stand-up comic, he was one of the regulars on the show. And I remember Fred was actually really funny, and he would tease Fred. And, like, if Fred forgot a line, uh, Dana would be like, what's wrong? Do you need Daniel Stern to say your lines to me? Because he always did the voiceover yeah, on yeah, Wonder Year. Yeah. So that was, it was really fun. It was, like a, it was like a dream first job. It, you know, we did... 40 episodes and that's, mm -hmm. that's what moved me out here. And were, are you happy living in LA as a, you know, isn't that like the thing New Yorkers and LA people have to like <laughs> fight over what's the true Mecca of our country? Oh, I will be New York born and bred till I die. Where, where do you live? Where, what part of the world are you in? I live in Portland. I was born and raised in Portland. I re yeah. recently moved back and then I also like studied and lived in Seattle for a long time and it's like a much smaller scale version of the the New York LA yeah I did a movie in Seattle this summer it was really oh, yeah? fun yeah it was it was a nice community up there everyone it was very cool um I, I you know it took me a minute to I had to figure out how to live in LA I grew mm -hmm. up um in New England, I lived in New York. I did, I did, I did. Started doing comedy in Chicago, and then I did stand up in New York and worked at Conan and stuff. And um, I, I, I was a natural ginger child, and so <laughs> living in LA where it's like 120 degrees a lot of the year, it just was. It took me a minute to figure out. Like yeah. it's not my natural habitat. It's so hot. Like it's it's like eighty eight degrees today, and it's February. You know that's too much. <laughs> I it it is February, isn't it? Yeah. I um I learned a trick from RuPaul, um, which. Yes. By the way, listeners, yes. Arden was a guest judge on season three of her yes. yes, for the stand-up comedy challenge. The stand-up. It was the Raja season. It was an iconic, it was a, an iconic lip-sync for your life. It was Delta Works. Mm -hmm. She was the one she got cut and she did like the final split. Mm -hmm. She jumped up and did the final split, like mm -hmm. landing on her, her business. <laughs> like hard, hard. And um and, uh, yeah, but I knew, and again, because my friend worked on the show, mm -hmm. uh, Bruce, shout out Bruce McCoy, and, like, <laughs> I I wouldn't let him, I didn't know, you know, I was such a fan of the show, I wouldn't let him tell me anything going in. Mm -hmm. So, but it was clear to me that Raja was, like, oh, that, she's going to win. 
Like you know, she she has a presence. She had a presence. Yeah. <laughs> it was very exciting. It was so and Rue was so gorgeous and like yeah. so tall. Even in my tallest platforms, I like came up to <laughs> Rue's nipple. Like it was like so that's full the glamour. thing. The, so the, tall. The TV can't really impart upon you how like. Rue's tall to begin with, but in yes. drag, oh. she is like, I, I describe it as like being in the presence of a demigod because suddenly yes. just everything is like to scale much oh. larger than you're used to. <laughs> no, and even just getting put through the, they're like, do you want to come make like camera ready or go through the work? I'm like, ah, uh, you go through the works at RuPaul. <laughs> like you let them do whatever they want. The beat your mm-hmm. face however they want. <laughs> I remember Michelle Visage and I got the giggles together. We had to be like like almost like separated yeah like it was truly a highlight it was mm-hmm. it was such a joy I was so happy there and I was surprised at how much of an idiot I felt like doing my runway walk I was like so <laughs> excited but like I've never obviously walked the runway and I I was shocked at how hard it was to walk the runway when I have had to rock walk runways I always end up out of breath. I, yes, um, it's long. I don't know what, it's long, and it's, it's like, long. I can do a tap dance and sing Anything Goes and be sure. fine, but walking a, a runway, I'm like gasping for air by the end of it. It's like, you start out, and you're like, oh, I got this, I look cool, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, there's a lot more of the runway, and I actually don't look that cool, and like... And it's taking all of my focus just yeah. to stay upright right now. I, and I also remember I wore a dress that had like, it was a really beautiful one shoulder like today, mm-hmm. hot pink Cynthia Rowley dress with a little flare, but I remember the bottom, it was almost like a pencil skirt, so it was like a really tight opening <laughs> at the bottom. So there wasn't a lot, I could, it wasn't like I could strut anyway, and I was in these really tall platforms, and I remember, so it was almost like, Itty bitty lots of a thousand little steps down there, just trying not to tip over in yeah. my dress. But it's thrilling, thrilling. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I always say that drag queens, it would be impossible to be talented at everything. True, you know. True. So you know, generally, like I'm, I'm happy with the talents I was given, and I don't worry too much about the runway because it's a very small portion of my life. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but it's a good, it's a good party trick to have in your back pocket. What do you think your number one gift that you were like? What would you say that it just comes the easiest to you? That is just like that might be hard for somebody else on earth. Um. I mean, I I know the answer, but it's not like a it's not a humble you know no, like no, interview I, answer. But I, I think it's comedy, and I feel nervous saying that to a comedian no, because not. then it's I'm like... judgmental. <laughs> no, but that's true. I mean, talking to you, that's clear. Like you're either. Bo- it's funny. I'm sure you've had this. Like I've had people like interviewers be like, "How do you become funny?" It's like. Uh, <laughs> You're either born funny or you're not. You probably have a bad parent. You probably had some strike. Oh, my God. I have. Yeah. Yeah. You're blowing my mind right now because that was um, one of the biggest notes that uh, a teacher gave me in (laughs) in college was, um, you know why, Jarek, that's my government name, but you know why Jarek is so funny? Jarek grew up with... (laughs) Alcoholic parents. Alcoholic dad. Alcoholic dads make entertaining children. So if you like, if you didn't have that growing up, you're going to have to work twice as hard at being a comedian. Can I just say, and I just had this conversation, I'm single for the first time in my adult life Mm -hmm. and I've been going on dates and I think I frightened a date because I said to him, you know, and I, and I think if you didn't grow up with an alcoholic <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying I wouldn't wish it on anyone it's all it's mm-hmm. not good it's really not a it's not a ride that you really want to sign up for as a little no, person it's not as a, no no not as a little person when you don't know because you, you you can't you don't have any control like mm-hmm. control over your space that being said I was saying we were talking about how a lot of dads, I don't know what parent yours was, but in general, dads of my generation is slightly younger. There's a lot of bad dads. Now I feel like the dads and the parents are much more like attentive and somewhat mm-hmm. kind. And I my concern is they're going to raise healthy but not funny children. Here's they're... my question. Are they going to be funny? <laughs> I'm sure they're going to be talented. They're pro- hopefully, they're going to solve our lives. Pro- maybe they can figure out climate. Pro- like I think they're going to make the world a better, softer, safer place. Yeah. But are they going to be 
funny. Well, that's, I mean, that's a very good point. I don't know. But I, you know, anytime I start to worry, like, you know... You know, like, uh, we, we've we been through a lot of social changes lately. Yes, Comedy yes. has evolved and adapted. Right. And there's, I think there was this innate fear amongst performers of like, oh, if we can't make the jokes we've always been making or well, if we can't rely that. on this, like, Those are all straight crutch. white guys. Exactly. Or like, if I can't say bad shit about... No. Because I, I had I that anxiety as a comedian and then I had to right. look through my material and be like, no. okay, there's like... Two jokes I don't yes. feel comfortable. That's, it is a very That's not what I'm saying. I, I, I always basically make fun of myself. So mm-hmm. I'm not saying... My I, MO, exactly. It, it's, I'm not going to make fun of other groups of people. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm the idiot. No, no, no. But I'm saying, I think when you have to protect yourself... Yeah. That was just my theory, was if you grew up with, like, really kind, loving, accepting parents... <laughs> you're probably maybe, not you're as all, funny. You're maybe not as funny because you don't have to, like... You don't need it to, like, defend yeah. yourself. Well, what I was going to say is that even though that was, like, this fear that got introduced at the beginning of this, like, um, oh. paradigm shift... Yeah. It's not actually... It has not had... And it was totally the insecurities of straight, cis, white men worried that they can't rely on their same crutches. Who are still pissed about it. It's like, (laughs) guys, you've had a pretty good run. You've had a good run, guys. Like, yeah. If if you can't be funny without putting down groups of people, like, (laughs) like, like, it's... You know, in some ways, I remember you know, starting to tour as a headliner and still like, you know, half of the ticket buyers, it would mostly be a lot of people who were fans of Mad TV or Chelsea lately. And mm-hmm. most of them were women um, who would then, but it'd be Friday or Saturday night and they would be, it would be their dates would be guys. Yeah. And so half of your audience is a straight <laughs> guy that like wants to make their lady happy. So they got the tickets, but they still have to listen to you for an hour and it's interesting, like, I can't even imagine what it would be. I mean, maybe it's changing now, but how much of my routine, I had to, like, figure out what to wear that was cute enough that they would watch, but not so cute mm. that their dates would be threatened. I had, like, you know, it's all, like, trying to figure out topics that were interesting to me that, like, a guy could listen to. It's It was, like, I can't imagine just being, like, a straight cis white male, being able to talk about whatever you want, like... And and every and most of the no audience... Because yeah. even if they're not also yeah. a straight white male, yeah. the straight white accept. male experience is yeah. so pushed upon Dominant. us that yeah. we all know yeah. what's going on. We know that archetype yeah. and that trope. <laughs> which, and, which, and, and I remember asking, you know... Um, you know, it was just, again, it was just having to, like, pay my bills, but saying to my, <laughs> my agent, you know, like, I I would love to, I would much rather, like, do, like, I envy the people that can do theaters. So I remember just asking, like, are there, like, can I go to, like, are there gay, is there, like, a gay circuit <laughs> that I, I can go on? Like, you know, these straight guys, it's, it's just, we don't have the same interests, <laughs> you know? So it's interesting. I can't imagine the freedom of building your set if I could talk about what I really want to talk about. Yeah, and I think I think it's changing. I think it's changing, hopefully. But but comedy clubs are so... Oh, yeah. That that will probably be the last bastion. I'll be... I mean, like, I am probably... I'm I'm not very familiar with comedy clubs. I've rarely gone to, like... Yeah. The the traditional comedy club where, you know, new comedians are cutting their teeth. Right. Um, But, you know... Just like the different gigs that a drag queen does, yes. we range from really niche audiences who right. will know every reference we get, right? Um, or like kind of broader queer audiences. But you put me in front of a straight audience, and I have no idea necessarily what we're going to have access to. So I generally just go for, I'm going to just like shock their hair white with stories of my crazy right. gri- gay life, you know. Right. <laughs> that you were the most nervous about in that respect? This is long before I was like, you know, 
paying the bills with performing. Right, but the right. most nervous I've ever been was when I was going to sing at a mega church wow. on Easter. And okay. um, I just, I, I, it was such a foreign experience to me. I was so afraid yeah. that everyone was just going to like yeah. sacrifice me to their... I guess not pagan gods, but, you know, burn me as a witch. I thought I was going to be burned as a witch. Yeah. By the way, I have a valid fear. Yeah. And how did it go? It went really well. People were very appreciative afterward. Yeah. Um, I, I really, you know, like I ended up like enjoying the experience because I was able to like help this church out when their tenor got bronchitis, you know, and everyone was so polite that it made me like feel silly for feeling so nervous. But when we left me and my friend who drove me there, we just both burst into tears afterwards. We felt so out of place at all, (laughs) like watching this Easter pageant. And for me, like I was raised like a holiday Catholic. We rarely went to church. And when we did, someone in the family was like, feeling guilty or ashamed of something and they would just sit and cry through the whole service. And I'm like, you know, like there's the shame and the guilt and and then Nana's crying her eyes out next to you. Right, right, right. It's complicated. Yeah. It's complicated. Growing up in New England, what was the like religious influence in the, in, in the area you grew up in? You know what? I, my, my, I mean, it's my, how my book starts but like (laughs) my my parents were from new york new york and they married on a dare and they weren't dating i saw that in my notes i'm glad it came up organically yeah uh, yeah. and that and then they moved to this tiny town and so when you have two people they weren't dating they stayed married till the end like if you when you have two people married so my mom my mom was the great one she my mom was like Tinkerbell, Mary Poppins, and my dad was the mean alcoholic. But I think he was like the part. I was like, and it wasn't until I actually found out that they married on a dare that I was like, oh, like I couldn't figure out, like, why these two, you know? Anyway, but he was he was an atheist, <laughs> and I mm-hmm. think she was sort of like not super religious, but like Sunday school church. Yeah. So we so we went to Sundays. I don't even know Protestant. I, like you know, we didn't even have a stoplight in my town. There was like a there's like a general store, but there's like a town commons. So there's like mm-hmm. the church with the white steeple. And I remember for a little bit, we went to nurseries. We went to Sunday school. And then I, I, my brother was really smart. He was a couple years older than me. And, then we, and like we gave up Sunday school for Lent. <laughs> and I never went again. I think I went like four times. So it, it was actually like a non, it was just, I had no religion, and I remember sometimes. Then we, I went to a Quaker school that was like mostly <laughs> Jewish, and like all the hot guys were Jewish, and being so jealous of like, you know, getting to go get ready, like uh, to going to Hebrew school, you know, mm-hmm. and like I, I don't know, there was like the the hot guys that went to catechism, and then there was the hot <laughs> guys that went to Hebrew school, and like going with people to their like places of worship and kind of not knowing, not knowing, you know, Hebrew, not knowing when to go get the bread, like, but like kind of following along, just not, no clue, clueless. My, my mom, I guess was raised much more Catholic-y than she raised me, but she would raise, she raised me with like, just kind of a loose understanding of Catholicism as how it pertained to me personally. Right. And it was mostly focused on, um, don't do anything bad because everyone dead is watching you. (laughs) It was like, God's watching you. Your great grandfather who died when you were five, he's watching you. And it was like, it started as a comfort thing like anytime we lose a family member they they're become like a guardian them. angel they're watching you but then it was also a threat it was like and that must have messed up also when you like <laughs> oh masturbating up. blew my mind oh my god no sack oh believe me <laughs> believe me the birds and the bees and like I, oh my god i remember <laughs> when i was 22 mm-hmm. and i was on my first sitcom out here and like all the years of just not talking about like dad's drinking, like caught up with me. And I was like, I should get a therapist. And I remember getting a therapist and her, she was like, 
well, how often do you masturbate? I was like, what? She was like, you need a vibrator. I was like, huh? And then I remember she sent me to the pleasure chest in West Hollywood. And I had to like gear up. I drove back and forth in front of it, like mm-hmm. to go, like to gear up. I casing the 7 Eleven, casing it. <laughs> and then I went and I had like, I was like, Arden, you can go buy a vibrator. Like, you can buy a vibrator. <laughs> so I was like 22. I walked into the pleasure chest to buy my first vibrator. And it was Jinx. It was the first time I ever got recognized. They were like, hey, and the pleasure chest. <laughs> yeah, they were like, aren't you on that like Fred Savage show? And it was as if. All my dead relatives, all your dead relatives, just like had sent, it was like, you dirty little jerk off. We know who you are, you little dirty, you on TV, the quirky secretary, the quirky redhead on the Fred Savage show is going to go jerk off in a one-bedroom apartment. We're seeing you like, you're going to go fucking get your rocks off. Yes, fully, I was, I think that scared me. It was like, on the one hand, I was excited and flattered to be recognized. Mm. On the other hand, there was, it could not have come at a worse time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and then because you're a comedian, you're able to take that experience and Thank tell it in you. a really funny way. Thank and you. other people get to live vicariously through that experience <laughs> in a non-threatening way. And that is the magic of comedy. That now, is the magic of comedy. You don't have to have an alcoholic dad to appreciate to, that. To benefit, for, to get the benefits. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. The, be- the pros of having a drunk father. All the benefits. I'm going to um, touch on some things that you've mentioned. Um, so you mentioned a, a few times writing a book. Your memoir is called Little Miss, Little Compton. Yes. And that must be the small town you were talking about. Yes. And I'm from Little Compton, Rhode Island. It's actually called that. They'd never heard of the real Compton <laughs> until the movie came out. The album, no, didn't I hear think, about it during the album. It well, was the movie. it's New England, right? Because yeah. I think there's a Compton in the UK. I, there is. Yes, yeah. there was. There was a Little Compton in the, there was a Little Compton in the UK. Okay. So it was named after that. And, uh, but, I think they couldn't believe it when the movie came out. <laughs> and they were and like, all not, the, not our uh, little Compton. <laughs> they loved it though, like all their merchandise. Like remember uh, when everyone mm-hmm. was making like the straight out of Austin, <laughs> straight out of, which now strikes a little like, oh, maybe, you know, like, anyway, but little Compton couldn't believe their merchandising. Like they just, <laughs> it was like, wait, what? Yeah, they couldn't believe it. And you mentioned your parents marrying on a dare. And is it true that your paternal grandparents um, married after 24 hours of knowing each other? That's correct. (laughs) That is absolutely correct, Jinx. But my grandparents, my father, the rascal's parents, um, they they got married after one day. They mm. they drove to Maryland to do it because you didn't need to get a blood test to do it. And um, they stayed married till the end, too. I think she thought he was rich and he thought she was cute. And then it turned out she was like full Joan Crawford, <laughs> cray, cray, cray. <laughs> full, spent like he was, she spent like he was rich. Uh-huh. Uh, um, and then, yeah, so I'm the product of two insane, like, if those two, four maniacs hadn't made some really rash decisions, I would not be sitting in my converted garage talking to you. <laughs> you also mentioned, and I'd like to talk to you about it a little bit, um, because, you know, like most my the way I get stand up is through TV specials yeah, and um, YouTube, of course. I am not someone who frequents comedy clubs, but yeah. I have enough friends who are, um, you know, bona fide stand up comedians that I, I, I get some sense of how <laughs> crazy that world is. And they're yeah. starting to make shows that seem to be like somewhat like behind the scenes representations of yeah. um, like a feel good. Did you see feel good with? Uh, no, what's that? Oh, it's a, it's a British show. I'll write that down, honey. It's, it's very good. And it's, um, it tackles a lot of subjects at once. It's very funny, but it's also very dark. Lisa Kudrow's in it. Oh, and, that um, good. uh, Mae Martin, uh, oh. uh, so you get like 
representation of the non-binary experience, the addict experience, and the comedian experience. So anyway, that was all to set up that it's a crazy toxic world. And I have yeah. this quote of um, someone announcing you with a disgusting intro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. my producer pulled this quote. And I'm giving everyone a full fair warning. It's very disgusting. But yeah. do you mind if I read it so I can no, hear your please. thoughts on this please. introduction? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our next comic is female. Yep, she's a girl comic. She's got titties. That's right, guys. Just picture taking out your wet dicks and sliding them back and forth between those big old titties. Please welcome. And then he got my name wrong. And then he got your name wrong. For, I believe first and last. <laughs> By the way, that was also eight months after after Louis C.K. That was not before. That was after. Oh, wow. That was like, that was when people were starting. That was after all the cancellations had mm -hmm. started. Mm -hmm. And that was also at a liberal show mm -hmm. in Silver Lake. And um, yeah, that, that, that quite honestly, um, I haven't done a lot of stand-up since then. Oh, wow. I, I was so angry. I know mm -hmm. it sounds crazy, and I know that's letting them win, but, like... Oh, no. Be furious. <laughs> like... but, I, I, but, I, but, I mean, not doing stand-up is kind of letting them win. That, like, I just... I just... It, it sounds crazy, but I felt like... I, I kind of wish that I could just push through, but it was like, I, I just thought I actually have gotten healthy enough where I like myself enough. Mm -hmm. That's like, I don't want to be in that environment. Yeah. And, and, and there's no really, there's no HR, you know, it's not like you're at a, yeah. at a normal corporate job or where you can go, you can't, there's no, there's no HR. Mm -hmm. And um and and I that was me with a lot of TV credits, you know, like I can't mm -hmm. imagine if I was 23 and starting out like that was I had I was a headlining comic. And yeah. Like and this was just like a local show doing a 10 minute set and the only woman on the lineup and this is somebody I knew. Wow. And um and I just thought you know, and so I wrote an article about it. Mm -hmm. I I just, I don't, like, you know, that when people hide behind, like, what? I, you don't, you can't, it's like, yeah. I have a pretty good sense of humor. Like, yeah. like that's not funny. That's, and that, and now the whole audience is picturing titty fucking me. Yeah. Like, so no matter what I say, and I'm not one of those, you know, in fight or flight, I've always been, unfortunately, I'm a bit of, I free, I'm so shocked when something's happened that some people have really good, like, you know, I'm sure somebody, I envy, I'm sure like Chelsea Handler could have just ripped his dick off with a joke. You know just what I mean? Ripped like, his dick off with a joke. You know what I mean? Like, I wish I was that. Like, I, but I, I'm not that. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, that, it, it, it is not, you know, things like that haven't happened very often to me, but there was something about, also, how brazen it was to do it nine months after everybody had woken up. Yeah. Like, to still do that. Yeah. I feel like there, and and we talked about it a bit before, like this um, totally unrelatable fear of comedy yeah. changing, but it's really yeah. just the through the lens of the straight white cis male comedian. Yes, um, that's right. Uh, because I I feel like there was similar things in the drag community. Drag being yeah. underground for so long. Right. You know, there were just certain things like, oh, yeah, you go to a drag show to be a little offended, you know? Yes. But drag has entered the mainstream in a way where it's like, okay, now we got to kind of evolve and adapt and, you know, like keep up with the world and not just think that because that's the way that it used to be or that there are some drag queens that still quote unquote get away with it that like, you know, because if you said it before, if the only way you can be funny is tearing other people down, yeah. you know, like, uh, uh, then are you a comedian or are you just a bully with a well, microphone. Honestly, I hate to even say it because a lot of my friends are also really funny and mm -hmm. the worst. Like, their intro wasn't even funny. So yeah. if you're going to do it, like, that's not even funny. You're just a fucking, you just tell people to picture titty fucking me. So, yeah. like, like, I actually have some really 
funny crass friends that like could have given me a funny horrible intro oh like, yeah and that wasn't funny well there's like i mean <laughs> because comedy is an art it's a performance art and a lot of people i think mistake being rude with being funny and, and i didn't and, and they, i don't really know them <laughs> they weren't my friends you know what yeah. i mean and it's also like if it was one of my very best friends by the way who would never do that <laughs> yeah never do that but like i don't really know you you've invited me to do your show i'm mm-hmm. the only woman on the lineup like why why would you do that yeah and and it's not yeah, there, you gotta have a better. If you want to have a joke, write a joke, but not about literally degrading me. Yeah, like like a whole room of people degrading me at once. It yeah. was so. It wasn't until I sort of left my body. I kind of went through the motions and did my set. Mm-hmm. I got home, and then the next day I was telling my friend about it. I was still kind of processing. You know, you kind of leave your body. Yeah, she was like Arden. That's really fucked up. And yeah. then. I told somebody else, and later on, I realized I had a recording of it, you know, like, because I recorded my set. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, the whole thing was, it was just, it felt violent, you know? Yeah. yeah. And and to undermine you before, yeah. I mean, yeah. with the long-standing, like, misogyny that runs yeah. rampant in the world of yeah. comedy already. Yes. To, like, set you up where you were undermined and yeah. um, degraded and boiled down to one yeah. thing, one aspect yeah. of your body. Of my body. Rather than letting any of your comedy speak for itself. Well, they said, don't listen to a word I say. Yeah. I don't know if that's right. Don't listen to a word she says. Just picture rubbing your dick up around them big old titties. That was their intro. With none of my credits. You know, it's just like... <laughs> well, the fact that I have big tits. <laughs> I think that... Um, I really think that the future of comedy... And I've been circling this drain the whole time we've been talking about it. But yes! I've never, like, nailed... I've never, like, gotten to my... Final point is yes, the future James. of comedy is the I I've said it before, but like the people who create the comedy being in control of every aspect of it. Yes, like um, I think we are starting to see some huge successes with people like they are the writers, the directors, the producers. I, There's no outside voice getting in there. There's no being like. Uh, pushed through the mesh screen of yeah. like trying to make it palatable for what you yes. know producers think people want, you know? Right. Yes. Like let the people from the people create the entertainment for the people. <laughs> no, I actually I agree with you and I think it's changing quite a bit. And mm-hmm. you know, I think it's also I you know, not to be mocked, but like it was right after that happened, I lost both of my parents. It was also mm-hmm. like I didn't have any skin on my body. I was like, I don't need yeah. to then go get ju- judged by drunk people right now. <laughs> like, yeah. So I think maybe now, you know, and then the pandemic happened. So it's like, OK, now I think I might want to like, <laughs> like I had so much shit happen that mm-hmm. I was like, I think I'm not going to do that for a little while. But like I can feel that I'm I'm like more my I feel good again mm-hmm. and like. You know, the world is sort of going back to normal. And I do think, so I just sort of more leaned into as far as like sort of live performances go. Mm-hmm. I leaned into doing my podcast, doing live shows on my podcast, because now I could go play with my friends. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that felt safe. That felt fun. The people who were there are there because they're fans of the podcast. And like, mm-hmm. I have a bachelor, it's a very silly bachelor podcast. And like, <laughs> so that, 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 you know, I think you're right. It's like, how do you, maybe there's a way to do it. You know, where you can, you create the whole experience, where yeah. you create, like, it doesn't have to look like what everybody else is doing, but you, it's still, if it's, it's, if it's emanating from within you, it's your voice, if you're sort of creating the whole thing, it doesn't have to look exactly like how yeah. everybody else does it. Here's what I'm picturing. Excuse me. I'm picturing the Arden Marine Comedy Festival. Oh! The entire lineup 
is Hot. is female and queer queer yes. performers. Yes. And then you have one straight male cis male performer on the cast and every night you introduce him by saying um just picture his giant swinging dick just slapping. No, you know, let me picture his tiny dick. His tiny dick tiny dick yeah. trying to get hard. Yeah, exactly. His but, uh, like full-blown half-chub trying to come at you. You know, I, I used to have this rule. I don't do audience participation anymore. Oh. Like, I, I used to do audience participation, and I still will, you know, like, I'll have a conversation with audience members, but I used to bring, like, a a strike a straight guy up and sit him in a chair and you know like tease him and mess with him and stuff and i've decided i'll still keep that in future shows if i also get consent from that person every step of the way oh that's nice well it's kind of like you know there's this like there's i think there's this um incorrect fear that getting consent along the way kills the comedy or oh. or kills the momentum but I'm yes. like then just find a way where it doesn't you know <laughs> I gotta tell you one of my recurring bits mm-hmm. one of my recurring because I'm so physical when I do tour mm-hmm. um so actually I actually have t-shirts that I made <laughs> that I feel like maybe I need to get rid of these now but like so I would always like touch people in the audience and then so then it became, I improvised once and it got a laugh. So then I, I like kept it into my yeah, act. Yeah, that's all it takes. Where I would do is like, may I touch you? So many lawsuits. May I touch you? So many lawsuits. So then like, but I would let, I would wait till they said yes. But I would mm-hmm. always say, may I touch you? So many lawsuits. So I have like these t-shirts <laughs> with a giant hand that says, may I touch you? So many lawsuits. But that I was like, now that feels a little creepy. Like, well, I might context is everything, you know, yeah, but yeah, listeners yeah. to this episode are like, I'm going to need that. And then I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to have a fun story to tell yeah. at parties. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I started doing the same thing. I started asking and like sort of making a joke about it, but making sure somebody said yes. Before yeah. Well, because there's a way to be mindful and conscientious without yeah. like, and, and a lot of people, I think they think the solution is to make fun of it. And I'm like, no, it's not then to say, how stupid is it that we have to ask no. for consent? It's like, no. let's make it fun. You know, yeah. like, let's make asking for consent fun. That's but what, I yeah. did used to like pull up straight guys from the audience. Right. And my joke was, Oh come on! One straight man can handle being objectified once, like, like you know, like. I think you can still do that. I think, I think you can still. That's use what I'm that. saying. Context is everything. I think you can still use that, even like with the consent. I think that punchline still works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um. what's your closer? What's your big closer song? What is? What's your finale? Oh, it depends on the show, but you know, it's usually a, a, a showstopper. Um, one of my favorites. Are you a musical theater fan? Uh yeah. Yeah. Did you did you like Drowsy Chaperone? Yeah, I did like Drowsy Chaperone. I don't I don't own the album, so mm-hmm. I don't but I did go see it with Sutton Foster. Yeah. You okay. know that you know, um, as we stumble along, the big okay. rousing anthem that the chaperone sings. That's probably one of my favorite songs to and well, I'm gonna have to listen to it. I'm gonna I'm gonna Spotify that bad boy. It's basically just saying, you know, like the world's horrible, and so we all yeah. make do by just stumbling through it as as best we can. And and That's there's not fun. much more to it than that. It's just a really cleverly worded song. I but, like that. <laughs> and in my notes, I did see that you are a Broadway um, musical fan. As a child, you were a fan of Annie. Is that yes, correct? Yes, Annie. Oh, <laughs> oh, as a redheaded child. Excuse Excuse me. Yeah, um, I remember. When yeah. did you make the When did you make the shift to blonde? Was it a Was it an LA thing? Did the, it take you well, over? <laughs> I I my the, my early career I was a little ginge, and then when Mad <laughs> TV cast me, they bought a redhead, and they I think the producers like like somebody must some redhead must have broken his heart or something because like. <laughs> I like they they basically purchased a blonde like they bought me red and made me blonde and threw me mm-hmm. in my underwear and were like and it was interesting because I auditioned with all these sort of quirky weird Kristen Wig kind of characters mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I was like the girl I was like the blonde I'd never been when I was the redhead I was always like who would fuck her you know like. <laughs> 
And then, like, that was, and by the way, TV Unfuckable paid my rent for years. And uh, shout out TV Unfuckable. And then, so Mad TV, they, like, made me blonde, threw me in, like, bikinis, which, which I mean, I literally looked for, like, Barb from Stranger Things. So I was like, <laughs> and it was, like, so confusing to me. And I remember just making up my mind and going, Arden, just trust the hair, makeup, wardrobe on Mad TV was so great, mm-hmm. and they won all these Emmys. The wigs, the out—I mean, they really—it was as close to drag without being drag as you could be. <laughs> and I remember just thinking, just trust those professionals. You're not pretending you're like a Sports Illustrated model. Just worry about if you're funny. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting for me to go, why can't you? You don't have to look unusual or quirky or be an old lady or freak, freak, which is what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. All the weird, like the small hand, like the quibble. I wanted to go like the small <laughs> yeah, hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they I, they didn't want me for that. They mm-hmm. wanted me to be like a pretty girl with blonde hair and a dress, which was a boring role. Mm-hmm. But I was like, all right, well, like Goldie Hawn was funny mm-hmm. as a blonde. Like, how can I do this? You know, Terry Garr was funny. Madeline Kahn was funny. Yeah. Like, I can be, I can do this. I can figure this out. And, and I actually think it expanded, you know, it's like, you can just surprise, you know, you can surprise people because they're, they're probably underestimating. They probably think of you as one thing and then you can surprise them that you're funny. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting, it's not how I saw myself at all. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I think it's been a long running thing that Hollywood tries to convince uh, Hollywood, the patriarchy, the whole big thing that we're all plugged into that's terrible, tries to convince you that a woman can either be uh, sexually viable or funny, but the two rarely happen together. And, you know, I think a lot of the best work in comedy has been like kind of tearing down those false assumptions and making funny women sexy and sexy women funny. And also acknowledging that there's a whole range of of feminine personalities between the the unfuckable goofball and the 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 virginal bombshell. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it was really it was interesting because like a lot of the world that I came up through you know, doing improv when I was 19 in Chicago, mm-hmm. there'd be like one female per team, you know? Yeah. So you're like, girl, you play like girl, you mm-hmm. know? And and I just remember thinking, ah, I know I got more, like, I, I know I'm not going to thrive here. Mm-hmm. I know, like, I'd written plays. I don't, like, I was just like, I know I got to protect what's magic about me and not I'm not going to, if I'm looking for validation in this environment, I'm not going to get it here. Mm-hmm. I got to go do my own thing somewhere yeah. else. And like, and, and I do think the world has changed. Like, I think it's way different for young women coming up through comedy now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that I had, you know, my mom always told me to like protect what was sort of magic about me. She actually, she told me not to go to theater school. I mean, I was a theater major, but she was like, you know, she's like, they're not going to get what you do. They're going to mm-hmm. try to, like, bland you down. She's like, you have to protect what's unique about you. Like, get the be with the people so you get the skills and you – but just make sure if somebody feels like they're, they want to crush it, just, just, like, cross the other side of the street. Don't take that class. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you, you know, there's a machine – to the performance or the performing arts. Well, there's a machine to all artistic realms where you have to like, you have to decide as an artist how much you're going to like feed yourself through the machine and how much um, balance you're going to when art is also your work. It's all about finding the balance between like treating it like a business and treating it like a passion. Well, I would Um, imagine in some ways drag like, in some ways, drag is almost the ultimate thing where you you have to go within yourself to just like what's, what's yeah you kind of you kind of mine thing. out um, yeah. Uh, yeah the special thing and then put it on display. But I think you know like drag is just the most extreme version of it because like yeah. you know RuPaul always says we're all born naked and the rest is drag, 
and implying that. that like drag what what drag teaches us and what drag gives us and gifts us is not solely accessible to drag queens you know like i, I think that. most female performers because of the system that they're like operating within that they're like still to this day forced to operate within to some extent to whatever extent most females in the, this industry create a drag persona that they step yeah. into. And it's not yeah. like a huge, like, exaggerated shift from who they are otherwise. Right. But you put on your own suit of armor yeah, just to be a female in this industry. And that's me as a, as a trans femme, non-binary drag queen making an observation, not having actually had the female experience. No, I love it. <laughs> I, I, I want to give you a giant consenting hug. <laughs> Well, do you have, okay, I have my compulsory questions that I have to ask you before I let you go, but I want to first okay. thank you for your candor in this conversation. Oh, it's been great. I thank love you for with you. cracking me up. Um, fuck the host who introduced yeah. you that way forever. Um, yeah. Arden, uh, Arden Marine, Arden Marine. <laughs> No, you're great. Oh my gosh, that's great. Marine Comedy yeah. Festival 2023. Yes, <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, and I want to recommend all the listeners. I was watching this sketch before bed last night in in preparation uh, for today, but it's the sketch uh, Coffee Twins. <laughs> oh yeah, Coffee Twins. Katie Dippled, who wrote The Heat, wrote that, and she wrote. She also did the female Ghostbusters, and that was. <laughs> One of my favorite sketches. Coffee oh twins. God. It made I had to like it's yeah. I wanted to know exactly what is so funny to me about that sketch. And I realized it's funny people portraying non funny people. That's yeah. that's always a recipe for And also for like and also when the heightening of <laughs> how long it goes on. Yeah. The length of the, the, height, the heightening of how long it goes on. And then the button at the end. <laughs> the button at the end. And um, you got Bobby Lee in there who's um, oh, oh, uh, so who's good. on uh, And Just Like That. And when yeah. my housemate and I were watching that Bobby's sketch. Bobby's on <laughs> and Just Like That. Yeah. Wait, wait what? <laughs> You didn't know. How am I breaking this to you? I got to tell you, they lost me after like, what podcast? <laughs> He's Instagram. on the podcast. Bobby I Lee play, plays it one was of the hosts as of the it was, like, it was as if they put my favorite characters in a sarcophagus <laughs> for 15 years that they hadn't seen society. They woke up and they were programmed to just scream out their age. Like... I, they lost that whole first episode. I'm like, you're 55. You're trying to blend in a podcast. I can't talk about masturbation as a sex columnist after I fucked everyone in town. Like, and just like that. Like, what are you talking? It bummed me out. Wait, Bobby. I can't believe Bobby Lee's on. I'm just like that. I'm sorry. That's, I love him. Yeah, and he looks great. Um, oh, and he's yeah. got a very lovable character. Anyway, I have my compulsory questions. I just wanted to thank you so much for being such a lovely guest. And on your way out, please let me know, who is your celebrity crush? Oh, my God. Okay. I Okay. I have a celebrity crush on Oscar Isaac. I'm terrible with names. I'm going to look it up immediately. He's <laughs> so hot. Oh, my God. You know who? Okay. You know who else? I have a specific crush on his very specific character. Mm -hmm. Uh, in, that, in a movie nobody saw, it was terrible, but you would love it. It's so it's very campy. <laughs> there was a movie called Country Strong, starring Leighton Meester. It was about a country singer, and I, and the guy, um, the guy who was in it, he, it was the hottest. He got he was engaged for a minute to Kirsten Dunst, Gareth Headland. I think his <laughs> career tanked after that. If you, he's the hottest guy, and the, it's like a fun, terrible country western, like drunk. <laughs> Fuck fest. You should watch it. You've never seen a hotter guy than Garrett. I'm I I have Country watched Strong. some pretty stupid things for hot oh, guys. Oh, it's fun. It's so fun. It's a really. It's a blast. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm um I'm gonna say my uh 
celebrity crush today is your colleague, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh. Um, <laughs> but oh. I was more into Jake Gyllenhaal in like Bubble Boy and Donnie Darko than now he's like muscly and bearded no. and he's a daddy. And I was more into Twinkie Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I played his girlfriend in like a teen movie. So I was actually like full Twinkie Jake Gyllenhaal. I think he was at Columbia at the time. I played his girlfriend. I played his who would want to fuck her girlfriend. It was in my redhead face. It was me, Jake Gyllenhaal, Selma Blair, and Jared Leto in this terrible movie called Highway. And I was like, your girlfriend, I gave like a terrible blowjob to Jake Gyllenhaal. He was so, Twink Jake Gyllenhaal, can I just tell you, was so hot. You're absolutely <laughs> right. I also had a crush on Twink Jake Gyllenhaal. Twink in Jake person. Gyllenhaal. In person. He was, like, he was the first person I ever saw wear Uggs. A man <laughs> busted out those Uggs. That's a guy who's Francis Ford Coppola is the like godfather. You're you're coming out hot at the age of eighteen. It's like the first dude with Uggs. And and now enjoys his daddy phase, which is he is he actually a daddy or is he just full zaddy daddy? I I don't know. Um, <laughs> because when he stopped being a twink, I checked out. Yeah, you're like I'm not interested. <laughs> no, I, I'm full there for twink twink twink. He was so fucking cute. <laughs> Um, are you spiritual? We've kind of talked about this. <laughs> I feel that I am now way more than I was raised. Mm-hmm. I sort of believe in a, I believe in sort of a guiding force. Yes. Yeah. I think of, I listen to a sort of, I have to get quiet and listen to for like little inner whisper guides mm-hmm. and for like next indicated action. And I do believe creativity is a large part of that. Like yeah. I feel like a lot of the little whispers of like my creative ideas yeah, the muses the muses whispering to you <laughs> i believe in the muses i believe in the muses melpomene yeah. and melpomene and i like Calliope. that <laughs> yes i believe in sort of like the tinkerbell muse situation yeah, yeah. good orderly direction <laughs> and my final question for you is what is your go-to karaoke song oh thank you for asking um i since you've been gone by kelly clarkson okay I can't. <laughs> it's not an easy one to do. Not an easy one. That's a big drag hit, too. Well, she won American Idol for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not an easy. Those high notes at the end, I really sell it, though. I have to say it's generally a crowd pleaser. Yeah. There's a lot of spoken words sometimes when I hit some of it. <laughs> but that would be my number one. And then number two is um, uh, Don't Stop Believing. Okay. These, also these not are class these are great karaoke songs too because those are the community building karaoke yeah. songs somebody that everyone the joins if in. It, if the evening's not going, it's a one that people somebody has to take the hit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much oh. for being my guest today. Listeners, Jace, what a joy. Check out Arden Marine's book, Little Miss Little Compton. Go um, watch Coffee Twins on YouTube. Go look up yes. that sketch and laugh your ass off. And thank you all so much for. Oh, oh I yeah. have a brand new. I have, oh. two, I have a brand new podcast. Oh, my God. Plug away. On- Oh, well, I have two podcasts. I have one where I break down fun episodes of The Bachelor with comedians. It's called Will You Accept This Rose? It's on iHeart. But I have a podcast that just launched on iHeart this Thursday. It's me and Jillian Robinson. She directed Bridgerton. She's an exe- and was mm-hmm. one of the executive producers. And we interview women we admire. Our first guest was Joan Jett and D- Lady Danbury. We have... Um, we have Retta coming up. We have Lauren Lopkus coming up. We have Nicole Byer coming up. We have Jen Kirkman. It's a really fun podcast. Kate Walsh. Um, and that's called Lady of the Road. Lady of the Road. And the other one was, um, can I ha- will, hand you will this? You, will you will accept, accept this rose? This rose <laughs> but I'm going to hand it to you with or without your consent. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I should have, I mean, I, I just outed myself if it has ha- as having never watched. Um, <laughs> I understand that. I'd never, I'd only watched a little before I started the podcast and now it's morphed into its own beast. I think I dropped off with reality TV around the time of the swan. Oh, <laughs> that was when my way, brain that was, just clicked that That was up. like, <laughs> that was, can you imagine the amount of pain <laughs> that person, because it was only like a three week affair. You've got like yeah. new teeth. You've somehow lost 80 pounds. My mom You've burst into my news. room screaming, why didn't you nominate me? For oh, I was like, are you insane, yes. lady? Hot. <laughs> I mean, 
look into what where plastic surgery has got. Like, what you can yeah. do your ass. Like, look what like you don't want shit. early two thousands plastic oh. surgery. You want no, you don't want a juicy. Day. You don't want a juicy couture boot cut, boot cut jean of the uh, plastic surgery. You want twenty twenty two, honey. Well, thank you once more, Arden uh, Marine. And. I want to thank you all for listening to Hijinks here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to search for Hijinks on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. Where can we follow you, Arden? I'm at Arden Marine, but don't be fooled. It's B-R-D-E-N-M-Y-R-I-N. Thank you, drunk-like gay relatives. <laughs> and I'll see you all next Wednesday for some more hijinks. Forever. To listen to Hijinks ad-free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Hijinks is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom. Hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon. Produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound designed by Will Pitts. And executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett Boehm, Big Dipper, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. 